Welcome to 52 Episodes to Science Fiction Film Literacy. My name is Chris Garcia. Roll sound. You have no idea how long I've been waiting to do this episode. David Lynch's Dune was one of the first films that I consciously recognized as science fiction. And I was 10 when I saw it. And actually, I was probably 9. And I was absolutely blown away, completely and totally immersed in this world. I was experiencing in film what I know so many of my friends experienced when they read the book. It was this intricate, beautiful, complex, massive world that had been created by David Lynch that just, it opened my eyes. It changed everything with the way I saw movies. And as I've grown up, as I've aged, as I've experienced more, I keep coming back to Dune, and I keep realizing the same thing. It is an absolute masterpiece. And like any masterpiece, it is absolutely wronged. Because I think people get it. I think it's not a difficult film to get, to understand. Well, okay, it's a little difficult to understand for some various reasons. But it's not about the intellectual appreciation. It's about an experience. And Dune as a whole could be seen as a single experience that is being shared by the reader and the author in a very, very unique way. Now, let me start with, there are multiple versions of it. And I saw the original version, the version that's available on most DVDs in the theaters, actually, I believe at a preview. In 1990, a version played on KTVU in, uh, out of Oakland that I saw that was shown over two nights, I think a total of six hours, that when you take out all the commercials, was something like four, four and a half. That has made the rounds on VHS, and I think now you can find it online, and is more confusing, more visually stunning, and incredible. There's a Japanese DVD version. There is a remarkable version that is one of the earliest sort of fan cuts that toured around science fiction conventions, which I saw at, I want to say TimeCon 90 or maybe even 91. There's all this stuff out there, various versions, and they all have their pluses and minuses. It's just like Blade Runner. Uh, there are some who really like the extraneous material. There are some who believe that it just is extraneous material. It depends. But what they all hold is an incredible amount of stunning visual interest. How the costumes did not win best costumes at the Oscars, I don't understand. Because they are phenomenally good. From the still suits, which 100% look as if they would be desert-worn garb, to the opulence of the uh, Padishan Empire and all the coterie of folk who were there, to the guild navigators, to all of this material is just 
visually stunning. And in a way, it's overwhelming, the amount of visual information that is coming at you. And they're disparate elements. And they're from differing time periods. This is the peak of, I want to say, non-self-conscious postmodern science fiction film. But that is, I recognize, ridiculous. <laughs> um, but it's true. There is a a melding of traditions, of styles. Much as if we saw from the book itself, uh, Frank Herbert took elements of Islam, of, in particular, of uh, the then Iranian experience, uh, particularly the Shah and so forth, and making so many different things all layered together in this story, which is this massive world that he built. And Lynch builds a world as complex using his material, because this is not Frank Herbert's movie. This is David Lynch's movie. And Lynch's fingerprints are all over it, from the you know vagina-like mouth of the Guild Navigator to the way that Giddy Prime is shot, to Baron Harkonnen, who may as well be Frank Booth from Blue Velvet. All of these things sort of combine to make a version of Dune that is David Lynch's and not Frank Herbert's, though it is telling Frank Herbert's story. The performances here range from somewhat naive. I really think that Kyle MacLachlan, while playing a very smart role, didn't hit his performance dead on, which is a shame because Kyle MacLachlan's great, but I don't think he really nailed the performance here. And I think at times he was also hindered by a script that was not as respectful to uh, Paul Muad'Dib as the book had been. I think Sean Young was only average. Everyone else, though, from Jose Ferrer as the Emperor of the Known Universe to Everett McGill to the wonderful performance of pretty much everyone who played one of the uh, Bene Gesserit witches, as it were, uh, all of them were giving these wonderful performances. Brad Dorf, phenomenally good. Absolutely phenomenally good. Patrick Stewart gives a decent performance, though he's not really given much to do. Everyone is doing great stuff. Remarkable stuff. With a couple of exceptions, but Jürgen Prochnow. How could you not love Jürgen Prochnow and how he pulled with all Dean Stockwell? Everyone is giving 110% and is pulling it off in almost every case. I mean, yeah, some people didn't get much to do. Uh, it's kind of a shame Duncan Idaho got such short shrift. Uh, but it's amazing. It really is. And when I think of David Lynch's films, I think of Dune first, followed by Twin Peaks, followed by Blue Velvet, followed by Mulholland Drive. And note, three of the four of those feature Kyle MacLachlan. Go figure. Uh, and only one, Laura Elena Herring. Go think about that. If they did a remake, Laura Elena Herring would be amazing as either Lady Jessica or the Reverend Mother, because she's dope. <laughs> Where this fits in in the history of science fiction film is, one, it was a flop. It was critically reviled, it had some massive mistakes, uh, 
the initial opening monologue is kind of, I wouldn't say nonsensical, but you have to know the story already to really get anything out of it. But on the other hand, the entire thing creates so much and pushes forward